Welcome to the Akashic Reading Podcast, presented by AkashicReading.com, the place where you can learn to access your soul's wisdom, or at least stop digging the hole any deeper. I'm your host, Terry Uptana, and today we'll be discussing animal guides and totems in the Akashics. In my classes, Akashic Level 1 and Find Your Calling in the Akashics, students are introduced to animal guides who like the white rabbit for Alice, accompany them through their meditations. They are the first beings students meet when entering the Akashics, and the last they see when they exit. They provide support throughout the process and monitor to make sure all goes well. In my class, Find Your Calling in the Akashics, students are also introduced to their primary totem, meeting their totem teacher and others who work with that particular totem, and then are invited to study with them intensively in week seven. One thing I find fairly universal amongst all my students is they are comfortable interacting with their animal guides and with totems, but when they have a question concerning something about them, they ask me. On the one hand, this makes sense as I'm the instructor, and have a great deal of experience with the material and with the Akashics. Also, religions and various spiritualities have guided us into the perception that we should be passive receivers of spiritual experiences and revealed wisdom. We're told over and over again in myth that being the hero requires action, but making the wrong choice or taking the wrong action can cause grave harm. Just look at the Indiana Jones movies as one recent example. For some reason, powerful or wise people like to protect their sacred artifacts and secrets with deadly traps. So it makes sense people walk through Akashic meditations like they're going through a 3D movie or a haunted house where they can touch things, but also feel they are just representations. They feel they shouldn't act unless they are so directed. When I speak to students about interacting in the Akashics, I know I will need to point out over and over again. Everything is interactive, including the beings they meet. In the Temple of Life and in the Akashic Library, there will be beings who look like embodied humans. The librarians usually look like humans, sometimes like actual librarians which the person has known in their embodied life. They do speak as well as communicate telepathically. Once a student gets over their reticence to interact with them and adjusts to the swiftness of just knowing what they are communicating, as well as librarians seeming to anticipate what is being thought at them, things flow smoothly. So if students are unaware or unable to conceive of interacting with objects and the bipedal beings they meet, their experiences and expectations with animals make it even less likely they are going to communicate directly with their animal guides. Many interact with them, at least enough to follow as they're being led. When students choose to communicate with them, it's generally the same way they do with their pets and familiars here in the embodied world. They communicate through body language, eye contact, and emotions. They get a feeling, and the feeling brings on a knowing, 
which imparts good information, but with little or no specifics. And this feels as if the communication is one way. They have an expectation they will not know if the animal guide understands them, or how much they understand, or why. The reality is, animal guides and totems can communicate in the same ways we do, and just as freely. They are able to communicate just as easily as any bipedal being. The forms the students perceive are symbolic on a multiplicity of levels. They are not actual bodies. They are an expression of self just like clothes. And like clothes, they are chosen to communicate identity, connection, and appropriateness in the situation. In reality, each being is a living energy matrix which needs no form to function. The form represents them in a way which is most appropriate for us to understand and work with them. Many of my students first see their animal guides as beloved pets they have had in their lives. After the initial or second meditation, the animal guide will shift to another animal form, which conforms to the new level of trust and awareness within the student. It may seem confusing, but these are not two different beings. The animal guide first appeared in a non-threatening, loving form which allowed the student to form a bond, to create connection, to feel loved and supported and safe in the Akashic process. Once the bond was in place, the animal guide could then shift into a form more closely aligned with its true nature. In either form, the guide is able to communicate, to speak to the student, but it refrains because going Dr. Doolittle out of the blue would take away all the benefits the form has provided. So almost all animal guides speak only when spoken to, to allow the student to indicate their acceptance of talking animals by initiating conversation. A significant number of students have a large cat as or in addition to their animal guide. By this, I mean the predators such as lions, panthers, cougars, leopards, and so on. Next to pets either living or no longer with us, this is the most common animal guide to have in my classes. And it is one example of the right or right now reasons why certain animal guides or totems choose to work with us. Guides, teachers, totems, and such follow the same rule as significant others and friends. Some of them are forever, and some of them are just about this moment in time, like right now. And once the moment is over, so is the relationship. For those who have big cats come to work with them, it's not necessarily because they have an affinity for cats, although they may, but because the journey they are on is twofold. One is to work through the class material, such as learning how to read your soul book in the Akashics, and learn a bit about how the Akashic works, which is amazing and intricate and revelatory for each student who undertakes it. That's the nature of reading the book of your soul. You discover things you didn't know or don't remember, and are able then to incorporate that knowing into your current life. 
But there is another journey as well, and that is even deeper and more mystical. Meeting and working with big cats happens because the student is entering into a time of personal transformation, one that is holistic in that it is the entirety of their life that is changing. They are in a phase of their life when they are sloughing off what has been and are moving into the possibilities of what could be, which sounds very hocus-pocus, but is actually incredibly practical. It's what happens when we move from childhood to adulthood. It happens when we have children, when we create and launch ourselves into a new identity, such as an artist, or teacher, or taxpayer, or homeowner, or world traveler. It happens when we retire and start opening up our life to live it for ourselves. Meeting a big cat in these lessons means that whatever stage they've been in, now they're entering into something new. It also means that they have a support team. The big cat has come to walk with them, lead them through it, support them, and advise them, and make sure that they get through it all with grace. So if you journey into the Akashics and you meet a big cat, get excited. Not afraid, but excited. Personally, I would get excited like it's Christmas morning with all the presents laid out. I'm not saying the path will be easy, that it will be all bliss and rainbows, but it will be fantastic. Animal guides have other forms they can shift into in order to ease communication for the student. They each have a bipedal, upright standing form. From a four-legged or winged form, they can morph into human-like beings with their heads remaining animal somewhat like the pictures of the gods in Egypt. Totems can do this as well, and tend to do so more readily through their constant and direct interaction with embodied people. While startling, this form helps students feel comfortable with interacting conversationally or linguistically with totems and animal guides, which makes the learning process much smoother, especially when taking instruction from totem teachers. It's important to note this isn't just a feature of communication in the Akashics. Native tribes in North America all have stories of the first beings, the ancient ancestor animals, communicating with speech. Many have missed that they still do, but we have forgotten how to listen. Charles DeLint, a writer of urban fantasy, has written a number of novels and short stories with totems interacting with our world, shifting from true human form to humans with their animal heads to the animals themselves. Some examples are Forests of the Heart, The Painted Boy, Some Place to be Flying, and Medicine Road. Of course, the Egyptians depict things of this nature and felt they were interacting with us not only across the veil, but also here, and Aborigines in Australia speak about this type of interaction in the dreaming. When we're working in the Akashics, it's important to set aside our notions of how things work based on our embodied experiences. The Akashics isn't a place set apart, divided from us, but our home. When we go there, we are reawakened to the understanding that the universe 
is a much more diverse and expansive place. So when you're there, if you meet an animal, introduce yourself with language. Treat them like you would any other person you are meeting for the first time. You'll be glad you did. And that's all the time we have this week. Next week, we'll be exploring our energetic connections and relationships with buildings, businesses, and property. If you're interested in knowing more, check out my website, akashicreading.com. Thanks. Bye.